Welcome back to the Yimbo Reviews Everything Podcast. Happy New Year, and we have hope you've had a great start to 2016. Once again, I'm joined by my illustrious wife, Bailey, uh, also known as the Reluctant Co-Host. Hi there. Uh, we are recording this on our last night of winter break. Thanks to our time off, we were able to watch a lot of shows and crush through a lot of movies. So in this episode, we're going to discuss some of our favorites. Uh, before we, we begin, I wanted to remind you that you can help us out by subscribing to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. That way you'll always be notified when a new episode is released. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Yimbo5, and I'm happy to hear about any suggestions for future shows, games, movies that you'd like to hear us discuss, or even if you'd like to disagree with anything, because uh, I'm always open to trying to see things from a different perspective. So... First up, we wanted to hit on our TV category. The only show that we really watched um, in terms of just binge-watching was the Netflix original BoJack Horseman. Will Arnett is the main character. He voices uh, BoJack Horseman, so I should mention that this is an animated show. Uh, Will Arnett is better known for um, his role in Arrested Development as Job. He popped up on 30 Rock and... Uh, he was the voice of Lego Batman uh, in the Lego movie. So BoJack Horseman was the star of a 90s TV show called Horsin' Arounds, and it was in the vein of Charles in Charge, who's the boss, Mr. Belvedere. Uh, you know, essentially the 90s had a lot of those. <laughs> I guess parents weren't great in the 90s. I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, so anyway, like I said, it's an animated show, and the characters are a blend of different animals as well as human beings interacting with them. And they all live in Hollywood. So there's a character named Mr. Peanut Butter. And he's the um, he was the star of another 90s show that essentially ripped off BoJack Horseman, who had ripped off every all, you know, all these other shows. Um, and he's a yellow lab. Uh, one of the funny things, there's all these like great animal jokes throughout the show, which I think are probably our favorite part of when we watch it. Um, like Mr. Peanut Butter, he, because he's a yellow lab, he's super enthusiastic about everything. He's an, always in a great mood. Uh, when he goes to put his shoes on, he carries them in his mouth. Uh, there was a scene where it was a courtroom scene, and Bailey actually pointed out, she goes, oh my god, look at the jury. <laughs> and it was all elks. And one line, and the, they were all leaning far away. <laughs> the line was just in the one corner of the box by himself. Uh, there was another great one, too, where um, Bojack's girlfriend goes, Hey, we need to discuss the elephant in the room. And then an elephant pops up and goes, and he was just super offended. Like, Wah! you know, <laughs> there's also um, a frog. Like a poisonous tree frog that works um, with the Princess Caroline. And uh, and his hands are sticky. So every time he tries to touch something on the desk, like... They, Answer the phone. Everything <laughs> sticks to him. It's very yeah. cute. Oh, and she mentioned Princess Caroline, who's a cat, and that's Bojack's agent. So, again, all the... Just a variety of other cat jokes. Let's just say right now that this is not a children's show whatsoever. No, this is definitely uh, <laughs> adult themed. Um, I would not watch these with small children. They do Any curse children. in it, and <laughs> yeah, they, you're dealing with Bojack, who is 
depressed. He's dealing with his depression over no longer really being a star. His drinking problems. Yeah. So it's definitely geared for adults. And I have to say, it is really funny. We've been enjoying it thoroughly. Um, So we talked about our rating, and we're going to give this a four and a half out of five horsing around. Um, So, yeah, go check it out. It's on Netflix. And now we have uh, some movies we wanted to, to bring up. And these are topical because... Some of these uh, I'm going to discuss that are in the theater now, and the first two are actually on-demand movies, so they're not even out on DVD yet, I believe. Um, So the first one is Spy, and that stars Melissa McCarthy and Jason Statham. Um, Melissa McCarthy is a desk-bound CIA analyst who volunteers to go undercover, and I straight up stole that from the IMDb tagline. (laughs) Because I, you know, again, we, you know, want to talk a little bit about the movie without giving stuff away because it is worth watching. Um, Jason Statham surprisingly was not as big of a part of the movie as I thought he was going to be because uh, I love Jason Statham, and I'm pretty sure my wife does too. Uh, <laughs> I do, especially in this movie, he's very cute and very funny. Yeah, like an over the top. Every story he tells uh, about his spy exploits are just more and more absurd. Yeah. Um, so he was very good. Uh, I was also surprised to see Jude Law uh, in the movie because he's good in everything. I, I love Jude Law. And uh, Rose Byrne is the bad guy in this movie. And she's absolutely amazing. She's really, really she good. She is in so many movies that I really like. Mm-hmm. And she's always really, really good. Like, she was in Wicker Park, which is right. one of my favorite movies. I think it was 2004, came out. It's a serious movie, and she it's, plays a very serious role, and she's great in that. But I love seeing her now in all of these comedies. She was in Bridesmaids. She was in Bridesmaids with M- Melissa McCarthy. Right. She was she the co-star did, of Neighbors. <laughs> she was the co-star of Neighbors. But, like, basically in every scene she's in, she steals the scene and doesn't get the the rightful credit for it because she's really, really, really funny. Yeah. Her character in this movie, she plays Raina, the daughter yeah. of a terrorist. <laughs> um, and she has this accent and she's very, very serious, stuck up and kind of like in Bridesmaids, but on a whole nother level. And she's just so funny. She's just so funny in that movie. She really embraces her inner heel for this yeah, movie. <laughs> exactly. So I, she's my favorite favorite character i think in a lot of these movies that have come out yeah um and i also want to say that i really like melissa mccarthy uh i i hated the show mike and molly which you've never actually watched i've seen minutes of it but but he hates it i do hate it and it's canceled and i'm happy but (laughs) but i'm actually i'm happier for her because she can now do all these movies i'm telling you i have enjoyed her performances in every single movie she's been in yeah, she was she's great in bridesmaids funny. she's gonna be in the new ghostbusters the female ghostbusters movie which just don't even hate on it people it's gonna be funny it's gonna be good um she was even in stupid movies um what's the one where she steals somebody's identity was it tammy no or that <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> there's of a them. lot of them yeah. Tam- Tam- it wasn't tammy but that was a funny movie too and the one with jason um bateman yeah that's, that's the, the one i'm one thinking of but i can't that's remember the, the name so um yeah, so she's great in everything. And she's not just a physical comic. Obviously, the stuff that comes out of her mouth is it's really good, too. Um, they like to set her up with, especially in this movie, because she goes undercover. So a lot of jokes are based off of her outfit, which 
you know, are initially funny, but then they would just, those type of jokes don't really have any legs to them, but she's able to maintain and carry the joke through a scene because of her performance, you know, because she's delivering these jokes. Yeah, she's, with the, she's She's awesome. So, um, overall, the movie does have a lot of laughs, has heart to it, um, and it has a really good plot that has twists, but it's easy to follow because, you know, you're dealing with a comedy. Um, and as I said before, you can find this on demand right now. We watch stars on Fios and, uh, yeah, it was good. I would, I definitely recommend going to see it and, uh, we give it a four out of five cat lady sweaters, which, uh, you'll definitely understand if you go check it out. And now for one other movie that, um, is also on demand right now, uh, we were really excited for it. And sadly it didn't quite live up to our expectations, but is the movie pitch perfect Two? The first one was really funny. I really liked the first one. Yeah, it was, it was good. Really excited, though, I think is an exaggeration of how... I was excited. How, I think know. I liked the first one a lot. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like goofy movies like that. I, I like movies like Fired Up and... I don't know. It, it was just going to be one of those kind of dumb comedies. And, and because the first one surprised me so much with how funny it was... Yeah, the first one was surprisingly funny. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be as good as it was. But I guess my expectations were pretty low for the first one. Well, the first one um, also had a nice plot to follow. I mean, it, it, it was basically a hero journey um, with the little mousy face girl. Do you, I Anna Kendrick. Yeah, Anna Kendrick. Um, and you were following her journey to become a Bella, to deal with college, you know, and rise up through the ranks and all of that. Um, for this one, I know it's a comedy. And I know they're going to be pushing the envelope with things that you that are realistic, but the, even the pr- the whole premise was absurd to begin with because it starts with Fat Amy. They're doing um, a performance for <laughs> Barack Obama, and she ends up flashing the president, and it turns into this whole ordeal. I just thought it was I don't know even just from the beginning of the movie. I know they were trying to they also tried to make Fat Amy into more of a thing in this movie. And she's, I think, better in small doses, probably. Probably, yeah. It felt like they were pushing Fanny, Fat Fat Amy more than in the first movie, where she was more of just kind of like the yeah. Every yes. time, because she was great in the first one, because she would just pop in, hit the punchline, and then disappear into the background. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here it was. There's a lot. Of a people. lot of her. They even gave her um, love. Love. Interest, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so. Um, they even tried to replicate. The weird underground acapella scene from the first movie, but they did it in, even, in an even more bizarre way. Who were, who were they up against? The Russians? Are we always against the Or was it the Germans? The Germans. It was the we're Germans. We're always, yeah. It was very long, bizarre. We're, apparently, we're always set, according to Hollywood, we're always, always at, at, at odds and ends. And they with, haven't, with the Germans. haven't gotten, changed the way we portray them in, since, <laughs> you know, the techno digital era. Right. Of them so, being, according to Hollywood, every German has to wear eyeliner um, and leather and slick lace. Slick back their white blonde hair. Right. And be very intense. And sing, oh, also sing a cappella with German accents. Which, when you sing, when people with accents sing, you typically don't even hear it. But right. That's getting all off topic a little bit. <laughs> so it's out. If you enjoyed the first one, please lower your expectations. I'm not telling you not to watch it. Um, if you do, understand that it's going to be very goofy. You'll have you'll laugh at parts, but it is not on the first one's level. So um, I'm giving it a two out of five. 
mashups. I might even go two. Oh, speaking of, yeah, I really like Snoop Dogg makes an appearance in this. Oh, that was the best part. He, yeah, he's pretty much the best part of that. That movie. was uh, okay. Sorry, yeah. getting right. off topic, but yeah, two. I would say two out of five mashups is appropriate. It's yeah. it's, it's fine to put on and just watch, and mm-hmm. you'll get a little chuckle here and there. It's entertaining, but it's not gonna make you like fall off your chair laughing. Exactly. Um, whereas Spy, we were engaged in that the whole time. You know, it's mm-hmm. not one of those. We're sitting on the couch and the movie's on, and then you know Bailey will start playing brain game or <laughs> <laughs> word brain, word brain on my phone. Um, also, I will say about Pitch Perfect too is what I also don't like about Pitch Perfect. The first one is the singing. <laughs> I can't stand it. It's really <laughs> obnoxious. I don't like it. You're not an acapella I, fan. I'm, I mean, I well, if like for those competitions where people are actually doing it, I'm it's fine. Like I'm like really impressed. But like for this kind of movie, I. I felt like it was even more, like, over the top with the acapella um, craziness than usual. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why I think my my problem with this, like like I said, the underground acapella scene where it was, like, a little competition. And then the first movie, there was the, I think it was, like, an empty swimming pool. And they were challenging the other groups and kicking songs back and forth. There is no way a person's (laughs) brain could come up with a song fast enough to match a beat i think but he he during this movie asked me he's like do you think that's like really possible i was like i don't know because i don't (laughs) know anything about acapella this could be a thing this could really be happening there could be underground acapella duels and competitions that we don't know about but it it was pretty ridiculous if you know that there are twitter acapella (laughs) underground Things Please going on. Know. Yeah, let us know. Shoot me a tweet at Yimbo5. <laughs> We'd like to come. Yeah, to I, w- I would ourselves. check it out for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, the next two movies Bailey has not seen because Bailey doesn't like to go to the movie theaters. I give the movie theaters a zero out of five stars. You know, um, for any of you unmarried listeners out there, there was a time when Bailey would go. And that was when she was trying to get that ring. <laughs> oh, no. I stopped going way before the ring. I know. But she, you, you went with me to, like, Hunger Games, the first Hunger Games. But that was packed, and we were miserable. The p- people were eating dinner next to us. Oh, um, I hate the movie theater. And they try to make the movie theater experience better in some places by making those big, comfy leather lounge love. chairs that, like, roll, you know. They're the best. They go back. Your feet can go up. The whole time I sit there, I just think, I don't know who was sitting here before me. I don't like this. This is really gross. It's like sitting in someone else's, like, like a couch that somebody else has sat in or hundreds of people have sat in. It really grosses me out. I can't get comfortable because that's all I can think about. And I'm not even a germaphobe. At all. At all. I, I don't... It just creeps me out. you Where do insane. they always say they find bed bugs and stuff? The movie theaters. Ew, is I, that a thing? Yeah. Oh. Ugh. And all I keep <laughs> thinking is, like, I don't want to get lice. I don't want to get bed bugs. Oh. I don't want to... And that's all I think about the entire time at the, I'm at the movie. I didn't think about any of these things <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah, you... I mean... It's just, I just don't like, and I don't like sitting next to people. And as people have realized, if you listen to this show, I like to talk while I watch things. Oh, she does. So going to the movie theater, I would never do that. So it's just kind of bored. Like I lose focus because yeah. I'm not. So getting I like going to the movies. Although now she's making me question it. Um, no, so I, I like going to movies. So I got to see these last two movies with my buddy Mike, um, who's been my movie going friends 
since college. So we went to go see Star Wars A Force Awakens. Um, right off the bat, I will tell you that I was super happy with it. I walked out of the theater pumped up. You know, you had the goosebumps when the marquee comes on and, dun, 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 you know, it's it's awesome. Uh, the plot was, <laughs> I had this strange itch in the back of my head like I've seen it before. And once I got out of the theater and I came home and I started finally looking at Twitter again because I had to put those self-imposed um, self-imposed social network restrictions on myself so I wouldn't be spoiled. Once I started going through, I started seeing some criticisms about the movie. So I am still going off of my first viewing. And my first viewing is that it is an excellent Star Wars movie. And I give it a 4 out of 5 BB-8s who was also a fantastic character. Um, the number one criticism that I've been seeing is that it's essentially a remake of A New Hope, which is the very original, you know, episode four, which Mike was telling me yesterday, I didn't even know this, um, when it first came out in the theaters, it was only called Star Wars. So George Lucas, um, after it became a success... They re-released it in the theaters and called it Episode 4, A A New Hope. But So he claims, oh, well, I always had this vision for three trilogies that are connected. But I don't know. Mike doesn't buy that whatsoever. (laughs) He goes, no, this this guy had a great idea for a movie. And it had a conclusion. And it was done. And all of a sudden, wait, I can make way more money on this. And then said, oh, well, it was always nine movies from the start. Sounds like Pitch Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Um, So, I mean, so if you've seen A New Hope, you heard us talk about it. Um, I don't, again, I don't want to spoil anything about this particular movie because it is great. It's it's the best um, filmed, uh, not even filmed, but... The animation, all the CGI is spectacular. It finally feels like you're watching a space movie, if that makes sense. I have a question. Yeah. Are you allowed to answer this? Well, I will try. Is Jar Jar Binks in this movie? Jar Jar Binks is not in this movie. And I think everybody (laughs) will be happy about that because that was... I just was curious. Yeah. As someone who didn't really prefer that character. Bailey and I were were going to um, discuss and dissect the first... Like the prequels, the one, episodes one through th- one, oh, yeah, two, and three. Um, I like those. And well, so we could do. Well, let's do little quick hitters right now on sure. each one. Okay, so I don't remember the difference, so I'm just gonna do it in a group. Well, well, yeah. So episode one is young Anakin Skywalker. Oh, he's adorable. He is, yeah, I like. He's like the child you want to have. Right, and he's a pod racer. He's adorable, and he's great. Right, with those big goggles when he's riding. Oh in the my, pod. Oh my gosh, he's... your heart melts. He's adorable. <laughs> uh. So, first one was really good. She, Bailey, you kept saying during the movie about, like, Darth Maul. Like, what? Who is this? What? Yeah, why do you I'm care? And and you know what? He's survived. And I said, because he looks badass. Like, that's, <laughs> he looks yeah, awesome. Yeah, it felt like, uh, let's, like, make new action figures and masks for kids to wear. Right. And he wasn't really, like, I when because I hadn't seen it. And then I just remember when it came out, there was so much Darth Maul stuff. So, I figured he was a big part of the movie, when really he isn't no. at all. Right. Uh, and I love Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson's. So <laughs> he he was great. He made that movie better. 
Um, and then Ewan McGregor, over the prequels, does an awesome job as Obi, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, better than how he's portrayed in the original trilogy, in all honesty. Because, I mean, obviously he's given more screen time, he's given a character that he can work with. Um, so the second movie, it's not, so you go from this adorable young Anakin Skywalker, oh who my God, is a- so cute, and he only, remember, even his mom, oh, he just looks out for the good in everyone and always wants to do... Do right by people. It's as soon as you get introduced to Anakin in the second movie, he's already this like twenty year oldish, um, just super creepy guy, and like kind of a brat about everything. Everything. Like he's there was like, no transition yeah, at he's all. In his uh, like angsty teenage stage. Like yeah. he just doesn't. He's just entitled. And, and Natalie, rude. right? Natalie Portman as Padme, like. From the right from the beginning, when they start meeting again, because they haven't seen each other in ten years, and he creeps her out, and she goes, "Anakin, you have to stop." <laughs> and he did not and take that. Did, no, out. and then he threw a little hissy fit, and he's super passive aggressive, and it's just a, it's just a bummer that they didn't have more of a transition from that point A to point B. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just wish that whole. I don't know. But then she likes it anyway, which... Oh, it's sending the wrong message. Yeah. Creepy guys, you need to just stop. (laughs) Like, you're not going to eventually, you know, weasel your way, convince her, like uh, like Vatican did to Padme. To Padme, yeah. So, and then with the third movie, which I still think is the best of the the three. um, It is is good. I like that You know, um, is it Revenge of the Sith? Return of the Sith? Something. Revenge of the Sith, I think. Um, But the third one's really good. Because at this point, you already know that you're going to see this final progression from Anakin to Darth. And that was the best part for Bailey. Because like near the end, I think you looked at me and go, it's like the last puzzle piece just <laughs> fell into place. <laughs> it's, I like it. It helps helps me understand the movies better. Yeah. And I don't, you know what? It bothered me that so many people hated on the first, like mm-hmm. the, the three that came out. Right. Because... I mean, I guess it's because I'm not, like, a super crazy Star Wars fan, but it was good. I thought it was good. And watching it in the right order, so with 4, 5, 6, and then 1, 2, 3, mm-hmm. it was, it felt like, oh, I get it now, because it felt, like, complete. Like, all the, like, missing ends, loose ends were all tied up yep. nicely for you, and you're like, oh, here, he. this is why there's twins, like, this yeah. is the twins, this is what happened, and... It felt like, ooh, making me feel good inside. Yeah, it wraps it all up nicely. Mm-hmm. And I think the prequels did have a tough job anyway because the first three, you know, four, five, and six, were so good and so iconic that it, they were going to have a tough job, you know? Like, their, their whole role was to just fill in the holes, plug the gaps, you know? Mm-hmm. That was it. But I liked it because a lot of the holes that I didn't even realize were there, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I get Oh, that has to do with that. Okay. Right. I, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what I was missing until exactly. it was filled. Yeah. So that's why I think uh, I'm, I'm, my rating might change on A Force Awakens if I see it again because now that I've huh, I've been awoken. Is that the right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but now that I've seen these other ways of looking at it and the fact that it was very reminiscent um, – it's going to be curious to see. I am curious to see where they end up going with the next two movies because this one was a new hope. I mean, it, there's no other way about it. Um, but anyway, go check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, I tried to get Bailey to go 
multiple times, but she's she's just going to wait until... I'll just wait until <laughs> I can watch it in my living room. There you go. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. And then the other movie, I just saw this one yesterday uh, that's still in the theaters. It is The Hateful Eight. It is Quentin Tarantino's eighth movie. Uh, I will go out on a limb here by saying that I love Quentin Tarantino. Uh, actually, that's not really much of a limb. That's I just happen to love his movies. They're they're great. Um, I was surprised that he did. This wasn't so much of a western as Django Unchained. I actually said to Mike, I was like, oh, it's kind of like a western. And he goes, well, it's after the Civil War and it's after the Emancipation Proclamation. So it's more just like a frontier film. You know, it's that still you know people riding horses and horse and buggies and you know the gunslingers and all that. But the movie is, it's very nihilistic. It's super bleak. Um, it's during a blizzard. It's one setting um, throughout the whole movie. So uh, the story, if you don't know, is a group of bounty hunters, um, including Kurt Russell, who is the main bounty hunter. And he's trying to transport his prisoner to Red Rock so she can be hanged. Um, his nickname is The Hangman, and he explains how, you know, he's got to keep the, the executioner employed and... Um, you know, even if a bounty says dead or alive, he's bringing them in alive. So, because that's justice served. Um, it was a long movie. It was <laughs> almost long. three hours long. But I could tell you that I was never bored. Even though it's it takes place in this one setting, um, the dialogue, the, the interactions with the characters, learning things about the Hateful Eight. Uh, it's all the stuff that you would expect from a Tarantino movie because he's always dialogue heavy. But because he just crammed them all into the, this one room, it worked out really well. And the, the, the dialogue was great. Um, so, again, you're dealing with these frontier guys and gunslingers. And you, you'd think that there'd be that Quentin Tarantino level of violence throughout. But he actually saves it all up for the third act. So there's just this great slow burn. And that's why I was surprised at the end that even though it was so long, I never got bored. Because it was a lot of talking, talking, talking. Um a lot of racial epithets, which if you've seen Django, it's kind of in that vein. So, you know, it's kind of weird now and living in 2016. But uh, overall, it was really good. Um, <laughs> again, I'm going to reference my friend Mike again because he was really funny. He goes, you know, this movie's three hours. It's, it's a whole character piece and it does all this great stuff. And no one's going to go see it because you already have people who, when they think of Quentin Tarantino, if you're like me, you want to check it out immediately. And those that don't. And they will be turned off as soon as they hear his name. Um, so you're already going to have people that aren't into it. The fact that it's three hours long, no one's going to want to sit in the theater for that long. And even though it is really good, it's going to be passed over by like Star Wars and people dissecting A Force Awakens. <laughs> Essentially. So, um, if you have the time, or even if you want to wait till it comes out on DVD, if you ever liked any of his movies, it is a good one to watch. Um, it's not my favorite. I I mean, obviously, Pulp, Pulp Fiction is probably his best movie, but Reservoir Dogs is great. The Kill Bills. I mean, I can name all of them. Um, but again, it is definitely worth checking out. Um, I give it three and a half out of five bounties. All right, and now for our last segment of the day, I would like to talk about uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. So we're going into our video game category. So at this point, it's been out for a month. 
So I'm assuming that most of you, if you are into video games, have owned and played it. Uh, so maybe you'll agree or disagree with some of these things. Um, I thought the campaign was... I originally put great, but it's good. It's a good campaign. I still get confused by aspects of the story. But I'm not, I wasn't surprised because that tends to happen in every single Call of Duty game. Um, I think what made this infinitely better, though, was the co-op campaign, which is all I want from video games from here on out. I want to be able to play campaign story missions with a friend online. That's it. Uh, my buddy Jim and I played through the whole campaign together, and even though we had to, you know, we lost track of the story here and there, it was way more fun to play with a friend than just sitting here trying to understand, you know, in some Call of Duty stories, four different, you know, main characters that are juggling through this whole world, world is ending plot. So anyway, that's all I ever want to do. I just want to be able to play campaign, um, campaign stories with my friends. So, uh, anyway, campaign's good. As for the online, it's exactly what you'd expect from Call of Duty. It did take a minute to get used to because there's this, um, they have these specialist categories. So instead of, you know, designing your own character, you actually go off of these specialists, which are, you know, specialized characters that you can then customize aspects of. Um, and they each have a superpower, and that, that will occur once, if not more, depending on how well you're playing in a round. Um, I will say that, you know, with Call of Duty, it's the best gunplay of any shooter. You have, you know, I told you about my love of the Star Wars game. Um, there's Far Cry 4, which has been a, a lot of fun. But it, just picture any first-person shooter. Call of Duty is the best in terms of how it feels, how it flows, the mechanics. It's the best. Um, I'll also mention, too, zombies, the zombie mode. I never spend all that much time with it, but uh, my friend Brian and I played it a couple of rounds. And it, we enjoyed ourselves, but I don't know. Will we ever go back? I Probably not, um, even though there is that story. I know it's popular with our students, but um, yeah, I don't know. Just never really got into it. This mode, I will tell you, was was helped greatly by a voice cast featuring Jeff Goldblum and Ron Perlman. So that did help. But And over, again, overall... The game gets a four out of five nuke towns. Uh, it's always that's always one of my favorite maps, and I I always like the updates to them. And I think that's going to be it for this episode. Um, I'd like to thank Bailey again for reluctantly joining me once again. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and I will remind one last time to you know if you enjoy what we're that's just... if you want to pick up what we're putting down. If you want to catch what we're throwing, um, <laughs> subscribe to us on iTunes or go to soundcloud.com slash Yimbo Reviews Everything and like us on there. And as always, you can, like I said, follow me on Twitter at Yimbo5. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year from the Yimbos. And as we end with every episode, this is Yimbo, and you've just been reviewed.